and words are balm for a dried soul. And they go in, you know, we make our beliefs, but then our beliefs turn around and make us. And if we make our beliefs and our beliefs make us, then we have confirmation bias, which means what I believe to be real, I'm seeing it everywhere I go. Therefore, you might as well make your beliefs amazing because they'll probably come true. This is Just Happen. My name is Emilio, your host as we journey inward. We are the next generation of leaders building the new consciousness emerging on our planet. This is a space to remember our place in the greatest transformation in human history. Get ready to be called to rise alongside the pioneers, experts, and wisdom keepers who are paving the way. Open mind, open heart. Here we go. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another mind and heart opening podcast on Just Happen. Have you ever wondered why that voice inside of your head always seems to be putting you down? Well, today we're introducing you the famed hypnotherapist named the best British therapist in Men's Health magazine who has devoted her life to helping people resolve childhood traumas, find love, and lead healthier lives. That's right, Marissa Peer has spent over three decades treating a client list that includes international superstars, CEOs, royalty, and Olympic athletes. In 2015, she founded Rapid Transformational Therapy, an exciting and award-winning training method that is solution-oriented, fast, and highly effective. She's the best-selling author of now six books, the latest called Tell Yourself a Better Lie, Use the Power of RTT to Edit Your Story and Rewrite Your Life. Her movement of I Am Enough has empowered and inspired millions of people, especially women. And in this episode, we cover everything from the secrets behind the world's most successful performers, boosting self-confidence from within, eliminating self-critique and procrastination, how to love yourself, and much more. Before moving on, the number one thing you can do to support this show and help us land more incredible teachers like Marissa Peer is to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or a little quick rating on Spotify. And without further ado, get ready for a masterclass in a one-of-a-kind therapy taking the world by storm with Marissa Peer. All right, Marissa Peer, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm very good, and thank you so much for inviting me. Yes, it's good to see you again. We briefly met at a conference in San Diego shortly ago where I was gifted this amazing book uh, personally signed by you. I'm really grateful that I got into it. Um, it came at a time when I really needed to hear a lot of these topics that you were talking about. The, big, the book is really short, but really precise to the point there's so many good takeaways and I recommend anyone uh, to get into it. And I guess where I wanted to begin with you is you've had a lot of transformation and success over the past years doing your RTT work, your therapy work, your hypnosis. And I really want to just go back to the beginning where you were in LA in your mid twenties and you were kind of just um, left from college and you were trying to figure out what to do. And hypnosis started drawing your attention. And I really wanted to ask you, one of the things that you've talked a lot about is that the mind is this tool that we can use to create our reality. And that the words that we use and the images in our head will create the reality that, that we desire if we use it correctly. So what type of, what was the big transition point in your life when you went from, you know, not really knowing what your purpose was to finding hypnosis, going on this trajectory and finding all these different things about 
healing people and allowing people to become more limitless in their lives? You know, I think we've all been told that the mind is deeply, deeply complex and it takes a lifetime to understand the mind, which we don't have a lifetime. And that if you have a complex issue such as depression or bulimia or anorexia, that issue in itself is so complex that the treatment must also be complex and it's going to involve, you know, years of going to see somebody. I had someone on my, on my training recently who said that her doctor said, It's going to take years before you even begin to feel better. And we forget that when we tell people that, they, they put a lot of faith in, oh, it's going to be years. I'm never going to be the same. You're going to have to live like this. You must accept your world is now going to be medication. And you need to take antidepressants for the rest of your life because you've got the gene. And because someone who is a doctor tells us this, we believe it must be true. Mm. And in fact, I think we should all challenge these beliefs. I mean, we're challenging beliefs every day. And actually, the mind isn't complex at all. The mind, when you really look at it, is very easy to understand. It has a job. Its job is to keep you alive on the planet. How does it do that? Well, one of the things it does very well is it listens to your dialogue. When you say, if another person goes to me, it will kill me, it says, oh, My job is to keep you alive and being ghosted will kill you. You just never should date again. You keep saying this freeway, this commute is killing you. This job is driving you crazy. This customer, this boss is making you want to die. And therefore, I'm going to have to get you away from this commute, this job, this person. And so, you know, we really need to simplify. Einstein said, simplify, simplify simplify. And when you simplify the workings of the human mind and say, look, your mind does what it thinks you want. Now, here's something to think about. If there's something in your life that you really want and you haven't got it, that could be love or success or health or wealth. Your mind must think you don't want it. And all you have to do is track back. What have I said? Oh, if I am um, have another miscarriage, it would kill me. I couldn't go through that pain again. It would destroy me. And now you understand why you have unexplained infertility. On the other hand, if you've got a lot of things you don't want, procrastination, self-sabotage, destructive behavior, your mind thinks, no, you need that. You know, you're so scared of being a failure that if you procrastinate, You can blame that, oh, I could have written a book, I could have got a promotion, I could have, would have, should have. But, you know, the thing is, I had this procrastination, and that's why. And a lot of our habits, especially the negative ones, are to get away from the unspeakable truth, which is I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not interesting enough or education or qualified enough to do this so I just lie on the sofa eating potato chips and then like I say well it was the procrastination it was the drinking it was the something but when you understand oh procrastination is nothing more than a fear of being rejected and if I wake up and say nobody can reject me unless I give my consent which I'm not giving them that will stop you procrastinating so we have to really look at our habits, good and bad, and think, what is their role? What are they trying to do for us? When we understand that, it's incredibly liberating. Yeah, and I really want to reiterate the fact that you just said about the I'm not enough. In your book, you mentioned yeah. that it was the biggest emotional disease that is affecting humanity today, thinking yeah. that we're not enough to go after that job. We're not enough to go after that person that we that we like or mm. we're attracted to. And You mentioned the topic about simplicity. I wanted to get a little bit deeper into that in terms of when we're looking at the rules of the mind, how would you break it down in terms of the simple rules that our op mind operates off of? Yeah, I think I created 23 or 24 rules of the mind. And rules of your mind is to have you understand your mind. We think, oh, my mind, my mind is so strong. My mind is so contrary. My mind is so difficult. Your mind is your best friend, mm. your most loyal ally, your most incredible cheerleader, and your most super efficient PA. And all you have to do 
is understand your mind and communicate with it. So I'll just take you through a few of my favorite rules of your mind. And here's one that we should be taught in schools. In fact, last year, last week, sorry, RTT was released in 500 schools in the UK wow. simultaneously. Congratulations. Because they're really, yeah, I know. It's, it's always wow. been my dream, my dream, my goal, my passion and mission was to impact younger children, put myself out of business, really, because they don't need therapy. But I love that. Mm. So one of the rules of your mind is every thought you think and every word you say is the blueprint that your mind, body and psyche must work to make really it's not like your body has a choice when you say i'll die if i get another rejection letter from my proposal it will kill me if one more person dumps me it will be the end of the world if i don't get this job that's the blueprint that your mind body and psyche have to move towards if you believe you'll die if you don't get this interview this job then your mind says you know why don't i just give you a lovely ulcer or terrible migraines then you can't get that job then you mm. won't die because you say well i could have but you know it's again that unspeakable truth of not being enough and i've worked with thousands of addicts thousands of people with drug addiction alcohol addiction food addiction shopping addiction and they, it's all the same thing if i'm not enough i need more and I, I don't care what the more is. If I'm disconnected from people because our DNA requires us to connect, if I'm disconnected from people, I can connect to a slot machine. I can connect to in a casino. I can connect to drugs or drink or food or stuff. And so the rules of the mind are every thought you think is a blueprint. Your mind has no choice, none at all, but to act on the words you use and the pictures you put in your head, the way you feel about everything is down to the pictures you make and the words you form, which by the way, are yours to change at any time. The mind learns by repetition. Yeah. There's so many others, but if you just looked at those four, you think, wow, that's interesting. The mind learns by repetition. So if I, every day I say, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough, every day I diminish myself, and I'm repeating that. And if I just decided every day to repeat something simple yet profound, I'm enough. I matter. I'm significant. I'm lovable. If I say that with repetition, my mind will let it in without questioning it. Because here's another rule of the mind. Your mind lets in whatever you tell it. It doesn't stop to think, is that true or false? Is that your subconscious that mind or, or your conscious mind? The subconscious mind. Subconscious. So one of the rules of the mind, the subconscious mind is the feeling mind. It doesn't really think, it mm. feels. The conscious mind is very analytical and is always thinking. But here's another rule of the mind. The subconscious always wins. In a battle between logic and emotion, logic doesn't win. Try saying to someone who's terrified of dogs, but this is a little chihuahua. It's so cute. Mm. And they're going to it's going to bite me. Try saying to someone, well, a spider, they're more scared of you. Look, at you know, they call up a little ball. They can't hurt you. But logic doesn't work. When people say, I'm terrified of flying, you say, no, statistically, it's the safest way to travel. The most dangerous part of flying is the cab ride to the airport. But it doesn't mean anything because the emotional mind is in fear and logic doesn't defeat fear. We would never fight over football teams or a, 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 a line, a cube, and we'd never fight over, you know, we wouldn't be fighting last year over toilet roll. People, that was insane. People were having <laughs> like punch-ups in the store yeah. over toilet paper because, but that's not logical, that's emotional. Mm -hmm. And when you understand the rule of the mind, emotion will defeat logic over and over and over again, then you have to make something emotional, not logical. My logic says, I want a great job. I want a promotion. I, I want to write a book, give a TED talk, create my own business. That's all. But my emotion is, what if I fail? What if I look stupid? What if I get rejected? Our greatest fear. And rather than logic that, you go, okay, I cannot be rejected. 
accepted. I, I can do this. If it doesn't work, at least I can say, hey, I gave it everything and I tried. And maybe I'll learn something new. So when we understand that we need to get the emotional mind on board and rather than going, I might get dumped, I might get laughed at to say, I, I've got this, I can do this. Mm. Because again, the subconscious mind doesn't know and it doesn't care what you tell it is true or false, yeah. right or wrong, healthy or unhealthy, useful. It doesn't care. It lets in. It's a bit like if I... If I have um, chapped lips and I put this balm on my mouth, or indeed, let's say I rub it on my hand because mm. my, my skin is dry, my mind doesn't go, hey, is that Prada? Is that organic? Or did you get that free on an airplane? Is that any good? It just says, oh, this is balm for dried skin. I'm going to let it in. And words are balm for a dried soul. And they go in. You know, we wow. make our beliefs. But then our beliefs turn around and make us. And if we make our beliefs and our beliefs make us, then we have confirmation bias, which means what I believe to be real, I'm seeing it everywhere I go. Therefore, you might as well make your beliefs amazing because they'll probably come true. I love that metaphor that you said about the balm, the words being the lip balm to your dry skin, and it'll let anything in. I wanted yeah. to talk about babies yeah. for a moment. And I before previously you said that just by focusing on young children, you would be out of business because most really young kids don't need that much therapy because when we're babies, and you mentioned a lot in your book about how babies come in this very pure state and they're confident and they don't necessarily have any fears or think they're not worthy of enough. And like, I wanted to talk about at what point and what happens throughout our upbringing that creates this loop this thought loop and pattern about i'm not enough and how can we change it towards yeah the opposite which is i am enough see i have a great friend he was staying with this weekend called sammy shoebox and sammy shoebox is quite a well-known dj and just the most amazing guy but his story and why he's called sammy shoebox is because he was placed in a shoebox as a newborn baby mm. but on a rubbish tip and left Wow. And he cried for a day. He cried for two days. People heard this kind of pitiful mewling but thought it was an animal. But after day three, somebody went over because they'd heard this noise for three days, found the shoebox, lifted it. There was a little tiny baby, and he was sent to America and adopted. And his story is so different because he doesn't say, oh, I wasn't wanted. He said, I was determined. And, and I cried for three days and my determination kept me alive. And I have a great life because I have a determination. And so we have to look at our story. And all children are born with this innate belief because in the womb, every need you have is met. It's always warm. You're always fed. And there's always somebody there. So a baby comes onto the planet with this belief. Someone it's going to come and take care of me like Sammy's shoebox. He didn't give up crying after an hour or a day or two days. <laughs> and so if we're born with that belief, someone is coming to take care of me because I'm worth it. No baby says, I shouldn't cry at night. My mom is exhausted. I shouldn't spit out this broccoli. It cost her a lot of money. I shouldn't be demanding because my dad's tired. A baby just says, I, I have a need and you're going to meet it. And then we, we allow that to be squashed. It's never really removed. The, the, the belief you were born with that you matter and you're enough, nobody takes that away. It's always there. But it gets squashed against these beliefs that small children have because small children don't live in logic. They live in feeling, I'm nice to you. You'll be nice to me. I'll get really good grades and then you'll love me. I'll help around the house and you'll be nice. But when a small child does that and the parent still says, oh, you ruined my life or you, you're so difficult. I wish I'd never had you. You're costing me so much money. You're just, you kids are so ungrateful. The child begins to think, oh, my mom isn't happy. My fault. And that's when we buy into I'm not enough. Because for a child, love shouldn't be earned or worked for. It should be given freely. And many parents, without knowing it, yeah, many parents say things like, I don't love you if you do that. 
you have to get good grades. You, you need to please me, impress me. And, and that's very confusing for a child. They need to feel you love them just the way they are. So we start to buy into my mom's unhappy. I'm not enough. My dad never sees me. I'm not enough. Even with a pet, when a parent dies, a small child, I think my parent died. But if they loved me, it would have stayed. Mm. And so children have very simple needs. I mean, they, they're not that difficult. They need to feel safe. They need to feel connected. They need to feel significant. They need to feel you love them because if those needs are met, they will make it. And when a child doesn't feel safe, doesn't feel loved, doesn't feel protected, they go through the world of the belief, oh, no one's going to meet this need. And I either give up the need. I'll never ask for anything. I'm just not going to have a relationship. I'm always going to be in this dead-end job. They give up their needs because they weren't met or they give them away to someone else. Hey, I need someone. I'm, I'm looking for someone to make me feel I matter, to make me feel enough, to make me feel something. I'm looking for my other half. Well, you're not half. Mm. You're never a half. Who said you're a half? And you've got to find your other half. You're a whole. Yeah. So the third way is to don't give your needs away mm. and don't give up your needs. Decide to meet them yourself. As weird as that sounds, when you begin to say every day, you know what? I am loved. I do matter. I am safe. I am significant. I am enough just the way I am. Again, your mind won't even question that. And even if it did, if you mm. repeat it, it will sink in like butter on hot toast. It will sink in. So one of the things we can all do, we can do it right now, is to take a minute and think of what are your needs? What do you need? I need love. I need praise. I need to be celebrated. I need to feel that my mom and dad are proud of me. Even though I'm 42, I'm still waiting for them to be proud of me. Well, you know what? Why don't you start saying, I'm proud of me. Mm. I'm safe. I matter. I'm significant. I'm amazing. Because if we all did that every day, if we all said every day, I matter, I'm enough, I'm significant. If we all had any children around us, nieces, nephews, mm. godchildren, our own children, if, if we work in Little League, and if we could just get every kid to say, I matter, mm. I'm significant, I'm lovable, I'm enough, I'm safe, then bullying and trolling would probably cease to exist. And mm. we'd raise kids with high self-esteem, which is really so incredibly important you must raise children with high self and it's very difficult yeah. if you don't understand and if you haven't got it yourself yeah and self-esteem as you said in the book is the way that you view yourself not how yeah other people around you view you and yeah. yeah go ahead go ahead so when your kid comes in and says my friend doesn't like me you go well, do you like you do you think you're amazing? Maybe your friend's having a bad day. This is nothing to do with you. You're an amazing kid mm. with something amazing to offer the world. Mm. I want to unravel a little bit about the secrets of some of the world's most successful people that you've gotten to work with. And I'm going to say successful with a little bit of a caution and we'll get into at the end um, your definition of success. But before that, you know, we can say the most fulfilled people, the happiest people. Mm. One of the things that you mentioned and, and just going off of what you just said is that they have a lot of self-praise for themselves. And I wanted just to uncover some of some of the patterns that you've seen in these people that differentiate themselves from the rest. You know, we saw it with Snoop Dogg when he got the award. And he went, I want to thank myself. I want to <laughs> thank myself because I worked really hard and I deserve this. And I love that. So here's the thing. There is nothing, nothing, nothing that will build your self-esteem like praise. Many of us think, well, I've got to go out there and who can I find to praise me? I can say, hey, am I okay? Do I look okay? Did I do okay? 
But when other people praise you, as lovely as it is, they may have an agenda. Your boss yeah. may praise you because he wants you to work weekends. Your <laughs> friend may praise you. They want you to lend them some money. Some person might get, oh, you're so hot because they want to get into bed with you. <laughs> but when you praise yourself, there's no agenda. When you say, I'm lovable, I'm amazing, I matter. You know, if we can just accept that praise boosts your self-esteem, that superior people praise and inadequate people tend to criticize. So the fastest way to grow your own self-esteem is to praise yourself a lot and criticize yourself. And you can say, you know, today I didn't leave enough time. That was very silly, but I've learned from that today. Uh, I drove to work and I forgot my wallet and I can put gas in the car, but I'll never do that again. Again, I always have some money in my car, credit cards. When you make a mistake and you learn, that's okay. But if you can just decide to praise yourself a lot, your self-esteem will grow. And as a parent, you know, one of the things that shows you how you've succeeded is how much healthy self-esteem your children have. But again, that's hard to give when you don't have it yourself. So how do we praise ourselves? We just, it's not about going, oh, I'm the smartest person in the world. I'm great, me. It's about looking at them and going, hey, you're a good person. You're smart. You, you've got a good heart. You've got something to offer. You're here for a reason. Yeah, we wait for someone then, else to tell us yeah. that same thing. And, and, of course, in a world where so many of us work from home, especially since COVID or work in a startup, you don't have a boss going, hey, Today, you did something amazing. You're employee of the week. Mm. Let's have a little cake and tell everyone how well you did. You know, we have a muscle that grows with praise and withers without praise. So you have to think of it like a muscle that you're growing by every day. Just saying today, I did something really great. I used to say to my little girl every day, what did you do today that was amazing? And she'd go, well, I gave my friend some of my lunch. I shared my crayons. I was nice to this kid that no one else wanted to talk to. So much because I don't know nothing, and I, then I'd have to find something. <laughs> but I'd always try and focus on what did you do today that was amazing? Because in making her tell me, she was focusing on, yeah, every day I do something that's kind or nice or so we've got to praise ourselves a lot because one of the things about the mind is it loves what is familiar and it really doesn't like what's unfamiliar. But you can use that in your favor by saying, I'm going to make praising myself familiar because the way to do that is to look at three things. How do I talk to myself? Do I say, I'm an idiot, I've got rocks of brains, I'm just useless? Because if you never talk to your friend like that, be your own friend. So how do you talk to yourself? How do you treat yourself? Do you drink water, get enough sleep, eat good food, or do you stay up all night eating potato chips and watching Netflix? And thirdly, how do you let other people treat you? Mm. And if you do the first one, praise yourself, and the second one, it's easy then to say to someone, I can't lend you my car. I can't lend you my money. I can't have your kids all weekend. I can't go out of my way to drive you somewhere because I, I have other plans. And to stop always saying, I'm so sorry. I'm really, I'd love to do that, but I can't because that's not even true. Yeah. And this, like, I just wanted to highlight a little bit of my, my story. I was, uh, I'm an athlete. So I used to play a lot of basketball in high school. And I was always the first person to leave the game. And while I'm in my car with my family, I'm just like, oh, I messed up so many times. I did a horrible game, all this and that. And then my dad would have to be like, hey, but you, you scored 15 points. You made an amazing pass in the third quarter, things like that. And I feel like this self-critique plagues everyone and not just athletes, sure. not just creatives especially creatives, I would say. Um, when I started doing creative stuff, such as this podcast, I used to also kind of go into that loop of, I can do better, I can do more, uh, I could be doing a much better job than I'm doing right now. How do you kind of shift that mentality to really accept and be at peace with what we're, what we're doing? Or being. Well, again, you have to, you just observe you. Do you get up in the morning and go, oh, my God, look at the state of me. I look terrible. Mm. I haven't got any healthy food in the fridge and I'm going to have to eat Pop-Tarts because I'm stupid. You know, just 
be aware, make a note of how you talk to yourself. And when you notice you're talking so badly, I'm an idiot, I'm stupid, I'm a loser, stop it and start mm. to say, hey, I made a mistake because I'm a human, but I've learned from that. I mean, I made some huge mistakes, but every mistake I made taught me something that was a very valuable, sometimes very expensive lesson. But if I learned something, then that was okay. So listen, observe the way you talk to you. And if you have children, notice how they talk. My little girl, when she was five, was it in sports day at school? And she's very athletic and she was winning every race. And I could see some of the parents going, oh, not her again. And that already taught her to, to mm. pull back. And then she came second out of the whole school. And I said, baby, that's amazing. She said, no, mummy. Some of those children are four. And I said, but some of them are nine. Yeah. You came second out of the whole school. You got a badge saying second. You must never get well. Some of them are younger than me because most of yeah. them are older than you. And there's always and that belief to, of yeah. if you're not yeah. first, you're last. That's a belief a lot of people yeah. hold. Yeah, I know. And mm. second was amazing, you know, and it's like the same thing when she was in a little school with 12 people in her class and she went to the next school with 90 kids. She goes, mommy, I used to be the best. I said, but now you're amongst the best and that's just as good a place to be. It's easy to do the best when you're with 12. It's harder with 90, but you're still amongst the best. Mm. And no one can take away that in that other school, you were the best. You're still the best. You're always the best to me. So when you hear your children saying, oh, I look horrible in this, or I didn't do very well, or, you know, that was just lucky. I wouldn't have done, I don't know how I did it. You have to say, no, you did it because you're amazing. We have to teach our children and everyone in our life, criticize yourself less, praise yourself. Well, it doesn't make you arrogant, by the way. It doesn't make you big-headed. It, it, people like it. You know, when I took my then partner to see a doctor and he had cancer and the doctor, the first doctor said, well, you know, we're going to try to help you and do our best. The second one went, I'm going to fix you. I'm the best doctor, the best oncologist in Europe. Mm. And you're safe. Nobody went, oh, I don't like him. He's like, yeah, okay, I want to go with you because he's confident. Well, yeah. When you, when you say to go to a school and the school mm. principal says, if you send your kid here, this is the best school with the best results. And the kids here are so happy and grounded. You think, oh, I want you to go, oh no, I want to go to school where they go, mm, well, we'll try, but who knows, you know, some of these kids are great. Some of them are a nightmare. We like people who say, I've got this. I can fix your computer. I can fix your illness. I can fix your kids. I'm the best con con mm. contractor in the in this whole, you know, I can build you a great house. We we they actually make us feel safe and remember being safe is a need. Mm. So when you meet someone who says, I've got this, you feel safe. So when yeah. someone says, Well, you know, you don't feel <laughs> safe. If we have a need to be yeah. safe and you have a gift and you can make them feel safe, after all, if your boiler broke or water was cascading down your house, that happened to me last year. I was in England and my house had a massive flood and my contractor called me and said, don't worry, we're putting everything back together. You're in mm. the best hands. I couldn't even get into America because the border was shut. But they made me feel very safe because they didn't say, oh, this is a disaster. You know, everything's falling apart. Your house is ruined. They said, this is okay. You know, we, we're rest salvaging lots of stuff. You get your house back better than ever. You're safe with us. And remember, that's a need to feel safe. It's a really powerful need. So if you have a gift in IT, or a gift in design or a gift in teaching, and you can make people feel safe in what you do, they won't think you're arrogant. They'll think, oh, I feel great now. I'm safe in this person's hands. I love your concept of purpose. If you want to mm. uncover how you, how you define purpose in your life. Yeah. And you know, most coaches say people go to them and say, I, I, why am I here? You know, what, it, what's this all about? Go to work, get a job, find a person, have a baby, and then eventually you die. I mean, is that it? It's wonderful to find a person and, and, and create a child. It's one of the best things in the world. But most of us do that 
finding your purpose, you know, why you're here, what makes your heart sing. Because I, I don't even know. But your purpose is lies behind and is connected to what you love to do between the age of seven and 14. If you love writing, you'll probably be a writer. If you love, like Joe Malone was always taking petals and making fake fake perfumes and mm. here she is now with the best fragrances ever wow. many people say you know when i was a kid i was always making stuff i was always doing puzzles now i'm a strategist i was always inventing something and now i'm an entrepreneur so really take a look at what made your heart sing what you love to do because that's probably what you're meant to do yeah and may i ask why between seven and 14 specifically i mean it can be younger it can be between four and 16 but mm -hmm. that's the age when children naturally go to what they've my daughter when she was, was forever getting little bits of kleenex and making clothes for her dolls and she was always doing that and always drawing and she's become a very successful artist and designer you know small children do what they love if they love craning they're crane all day but they may love being in the kitchen yeah. they may love cooking they may love being out in the garden growing things and it's very hard to be successful if you don't love it you see a doctor will say i love it a gardener will say i love it a chef will say i love it i can't imagine mm -hmm. Being a chef and cooking food for a hundred people—that that just all that shopping and washing wouldn't do anything for me. But it's very hard to be good at what you don't love. When you do what you love and you love what you do, it's easy. Accountants love numbers. I couldn't imagine loving numbers. <laughs> I couldn't imagine um, being a nurse and giving people injections. They love it. I couldn't imagine. Well, I could imagine that actually. But, you know, we look at carers and, and nursing and it's a real calling because they love helping, making a difference. So when you do what you love, you have purpose. When you share it, you, you have meaning. And it's hard to think of a job that I would really, really dislike. But thank goodness other people love it. Otherwise, the world yeah. would be a very strange place. We'd all do the same thing. Yeah. But, you know, if you look at Stephen Hawkins and what he loved and, mm -hmm. and how he made that. Um, but it, it's the fact that when you're a child, you're drawn to what you love and what you love kind of describes who you become. I love that. One of the final concepts I wanted to hit with you is that Right now, most of our audience are younger people and we're just discovering the world of relationships, serious relationships, yeah. even, even maybe business partnerships when we're just starting off our careers. Um, and right now, like there, it would be really helpful to have this advice um, from someone who knows so much about the dynamics between how relationships function, how healthy relationships are formed. I would really love to dive into what you believe makes a good relationship and how we can create new belief systems around relationships in order to attract or maybe find the right person to start our business with or to, you know, date anything that, that you think mm. could really help. You, you know that you only need one thing to have a beautiful, loving relationship. We're talking about a love relationship. You need one thing, and it isn't a perfect body or a beautiful face. It's a belief that you are worth it. If you want to find love, take some time and keep saying, I'm worthy of love. I'm deserving of love. I am lovable just the way I am. Because you have to believe you're worthy of love to attract love. Many people do the opposite. They go, oh, I found someone and I'm so scared they're going to leave. And I go through their phone and go, you sure I'm okay? You're not going to leave me. When are you going to leave me? Which is very unattractive because neediness is not attractive. So you must, must, must keep telling yourself, I'm worthy of love. You might go, it's not true. Who cares? If you say it enough, it becomes true. Whether you say I'm deeply lovable or not lovable at all, 
Your mind will accept whatever you tell it. So change that, oh, I'm not really good enough. To, I'm lovable enough just the way I am. Because that belief that you're lovable, when you believe it, other people pick it up. Secondly, you must understand the truth. The best it could ever be in your entire life is you are going to be a flawed person having a flawed relationship with a flawed person. And you can have a beautiful flawed relationship. But many people say, I need someone perfect. I need a girl who's a 10 because then I feel like I need a guy who's amazing because then I can feel amazing almost by osmosis. But perfect people are still flawed. It's like so many people I know go, I want this kind of guy with a six pack and a car there's a great song i love and it says girls don't like boys girls like cars and money i often think <laughs> was that poor kid going through and he wrote that girls don't <laughs> like boys girls like cars and money i guess when you're 16 and all the girls are, are hanging out with 18 year old guys with cars and money you feel inadequate and and if you're a girl you believe that only gorgeous girls get the guys but that's not true you know, people will forget what looks fade, everything fades, but the way you can make someone feel will never fade. And so just decide that you're lovable, look at your qualities, think about the kind of person you want. You know, people say, I want someone who looks great. Why? That, that's the, that you forget about that very quickly. You want to think, is this person funny? Do they make me laugh? Are they kind? That's so underrated in relationships. Are they interesting? And I spent my whole life with them. You know, many, many, many years ago, I was in my gym and there was a guy there that was a model. And I was thinking, wow, it must be amazing to date someone like that. Because he was perfect looking. And actually, I did date him. He was the most boring person I've ever dated in my mm. whole life. Because all he talked about was, hey, you know, I did this shoot. And, hey, look at me wearing this Helmut Lang jacket. And, hey, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, so boring. I couldn't get away from him fast enough. Because pe what people are interesting. You want someone you can talk to. You know, it's like that song by Barry White. Don't go changing to try to do I just want someone I can talk to. I love you just the way you are. And people who've got long relationships will say, you know, well, my partner never bores me. They're so fascinating. They're so funny. They're so quirky. They're so different. They're so compelling or fascinating or slightly crazy. But I love that in my partner. They're a bit kooky, a bit out there. No one ever says, I love my partner because they're perfect. They, they get up in the morning and look perfect. I love them because they've got a six. Or I love them because they've got huge breasts or perfect thighs. Or, yeah. you know, if you listen to every song, it never says, I love you because you're perfect. In fact, it says you're not perfect. Mm. And that's why I love you. It's like that song, Miss Independence. That's why I love her. Never told, We never knew what Miss Independent looked like. When I think it was Usher sang that song. We just knew that he loved her character. So we've got to really get away from this belief that, you know, I was working with this amazing guy last week when I was teaching my class, and he was so good looking. And he said, you know, every day I work hard to be better so somebody can love me. I said, you don't want to do that. Mm. You have to say, hey, love me the way I am. Years ago, my little girl said, mommy, how can I make a boy like me? I said, disagree with everything they say. <laughs> they say I like smoking so that's stupid if they say I like football I don't like football you know be a challenge don't be a yeah, yes yeah. person because that's more interesting to people I'll eat what you're eating I'll go where you I just want to be with you I just do what you do it's not interesting and you want to be interesting and memorable for being yourself yeah that authenticity when you radiate yeah. you know, who you truly are. And one of the concepts that we, that we talk a lot about on this podcast is going within ourselves. And yeah. when, we're, when we're looking for things outside of us, I've realized it's because there's an internal hole that needs to be filled. And, and that's something that, that you talk a lot about. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you're raising the voice yeah. on that. And, and you know, if you pretend to be somebody amazing to make someone love you and you pull it off which you could do you never know if they love you you always think yeah but they're loving this act i've mm -hmm. convinced everyone that i'm amazing but i'm really not so one day they'll find out and they'll leave me and then it makes you insecure and you go you know what 
I'm just me and I've shown them who I am and they seem to like me, then you never worry. I don't know if you saw um, that series called White Lotus, this, you know, where the girl said to this guy, you're going to leave me eventually. I'm a complete mess. I'm a drama queen. Why don't you go now? And he went, no, I'm staying. He loved that because she showed him her very worst vulnerability, which, by the way, is the basis of all friendship. So when you pretend you're amazing and you hook someone and they say, I love you, so confident, you're so amazing, you think, that's not really who I am. But when you can say, no, I am me with all my flaws, you know that they love you and you never have to worry that one day they'll find the real you and they'll leave. So don't pretend you're someone else. Be your amazing self. We're all flawed, so embrace it. I love that so much. So, Marissa, um, five best-selling books that you have now, including this one, I Am Enough, which, again, it's 112 pages, 114 pages. You know, it's a really quick read, and I really recommend that people get into it. But there's another book coming out very soon that I wanted to let you tell us a little bit about what you've been exploring, what you're writing about, and what can we expect uh, in January 2022 when this book is released. So my new book my new book is called Tell Yourself a Better Lie. And it's based on the premise that I've been a therapist for a long, long, long time before you were even born. And I realized very quickly that all my clients' issues came from the lies they told themselves. It wasn't that they were born to an unfortunate, they didn't matter. They'd say like, oh, my dad left before I was born. My dad never came to my games. My mom was always busy. My mom was always at work. Therefore, I'm not enough. And I realized that, you know, we we tell ourselves the most awful lies, then we make them real. And if you're going to tell yourself a lie, I've got legs the size of a tree trunk. Everything I touch falls apart. I'm no good at math. I just can't do it. I'm terrible at speaking out loud. I'm just a disaster. That isn't true. So if you're going, I I can't sleep. I stay up all night. If I look at a cake, I get fat. Uh, Everything, every relationship I go into always never lasts more than 12 weeks. I managed to mess it up. If you're going to tell yourself, well, I tell yourself a better lie, the greatest pain in your life is probably down to the lies that you are telling yourself. Whatever I read, I don't remember. I got a memory like a sieve. I'm the worst catcher in the world in sport. I just don't know how to talk to girls or boys. So decide, well, that's a lie. Why don't I say I can talk to anyone? Is that true? Mm-hmm. No, but neither is I I can't talk to anyone. They're both not true. So you might as well go for the better version. I am the worst catcher in the world. How do you know that? Have you looked, talked to every other catcher? Who voted you the worst catcher in the mm-hmm. world? That's a lie. So I have a better one. I'm getting really good at catching. In fact, I'm becoming the best catcher in the world. Because the mind doesn't know, it doesn't care. And so tell yourself a better lie. There's actually 10 stories of clients who came in and were in deep pain because of the lies they told themselves. One was a very interesting girl who had bulimia and her father had left her when she was little. But every time he saw he'd bring her cookies and candy and potato chips. And her belief was, that's how you know you're loved. candy and potato chips love me. So as a 25-year-old, she was obsessed with candy and potato chips and Mm. always ate them in secret And because it was a lie. My mom made me cakes, birthday cakes, Christmas cakes. That was our favorite time making cakes with my mom. So now when I'm sad, I make a cake and believe the cake is love. A cake doesn't love you. It's a thing. It's just sugar and fat. It's inert. There's no candy in the world that can make you. We say things, we call each other honey and sweetie and sugar. <laughs> and we have on Valentine's Day lots of candy and Christmas. So we tell them it's love. When I'm having a, if I say I love chocolate, then on a bad day I need chocolate because I've told myself it loves me. Mm. So I love food and I eat loads of it. Well, that's not love. That's abuse. It's just getting people to identify the lie. And in each story, it says, this is Emma's story, this is Tara's story, this is Susie's story. And if you identify with Susie, this is what happened, and this is how she was totally fixed. 
And this is how you can be fixed. And there's a bit in the end called RTT for me, because mm. I developed RTT as profound therapy. Yeah. But it shows you the bits of it that you can do yourself at home. It gives you, I think, four recordings that you can do to build your self-esteem. Mm. And it's a, it's a real book that works. It just brings you into the world of what goes wrong, but also how to put it right, because many therapists, Therapists spend ages working out what went wrong, and some spend ages trying to put it right. But in fact, it's very simple. Let's look at what went wrong. Let's be like a detective and see what happened to you. Let's interrupt those beliefs, get rid of them, and install new ones. So it's really more like being a coder. A coder will come along and go, oh, hey, your computer's full of bugs. Let's take them out. Upgrade your software. There you go. You're all shiny and new and fast. Well, it's the same Let's look at the bugs in your mind, get rid of them, upgrade your thinking yeah. so you function better and you're happy. That's so powerful. I'm really excited for that book. And just to go off that concept of the lies, I have a couple final wrap-up questions. We call it the final trio. They're really rapid fire, short answer, however you want to explain it. It could be one word. It could be just a couple of sentences. One that just goes off your, your newest book is... What's the number one positive lie? I know you also call them statements of truth instead of affirmations that you've acquired in the last 12 months that has changed uh, one aspect of your life. I think because COVID has been so scary to people, my, the thing I tell you is I say I've got an amazing immune system. My immune system is incredible. It's fantastic. It's, I don't go around going, oh, my God, look at all these people. I'm going to get sick because if I say that, I have the power to make that real. So wherever I go, and I travel a lot, in the last six weeks I've been in L.A., Miami, London, Berlin, Spain, back to L.A., but I'm always well because I tell myself I have a phenomenal immune system. Yeah. And I also say I've got a phenomenal me metabolism. I don't go, oh, my God, I've eaten cakes. I'm going to gain weight. I've got an amazing metabolic weight. It just burns off everything. Yeah. It's a choice, you see. I could say, oh, if I look at a cake, I get fat. And I'm bound to get sick. I've been on 10 planes in six weeks. But I, I do the opposite. My immune system is amazing. And we all have the choice. You see, here's the thing. You can choose to say whatever you want to. You know what you can't choose? What you do to your body and your mind and your soul when you say negative things. You can choose to be negative, of course, but you can't choose what you do to your, the workings of your body. When you choose to be positive, you do get to choose. Your body becomes more healthy. Mm, that's, that's a big and one. And you it's become so healthier. Relevant. Yeah, I like the so one make also. make the right choices. Yeah, yeah. You also have one that I've been using lately. It's, I'm a wellness-making machine. And then when machine, you say that with authority, yeah. like, it's it hits, you yeah. know, it hits really powerfully. Yeah, my, my body is a wellness-making machine. You see, that's not just a thought. That is a command. This mm. is the genie, and your wish is it's coming. That's your blueprint. And when you say that, my body is a wellness-making machine, it's the blueprint that your mind, body, and psyche make real. Yeah, that's so powerful. And next question, what is the number one most misunderstood part of self-development and therapy that you found? That it takes years. That it takes years and years, and you've got to go every week and you may never get better, that therapy is long, that it's hard for human beings to change. You can change. We'll say, can you change in 21 days? You can change in 21 seconds mm. if you know how to do it. So, you know, it, maybe it used to be long, but there's the whole thing about therapy. You have to go and see someone. Therapy was invented. People didn't even have telephones. You couldn't do Zoom therapy or Skype or phone therapy. You can now. And it's just as good. So it's the length of time it takes mm. to feel better. And it's a strange thing because nobody goes to the doctor and goes, hey, I think I've broken my arm. They go, well, we need to talk about that for a year. No one goes to the mm. dentist and goes, I've got this terrible toothache. Well, we need to discuss it for you. No one goes to the chiropractor going, my back hurts. They go, we need to discuss it. It's only therapy where we've somehow been allowed to believe it should be long and it's meant and it should hurt. No, it shouldn't. It should be fast and easy. It's no different to going to ER. When people are in pain and they turn up, we have a duty 
to help them be better as fast as we possibly can because mm. that's what every other medical intervention does and therapy should not be any different. Yeah, hence the name rapid transformational yeah. therapy, RTT yeah. method. And yeah. if anyone wants to get certified, they can get certified uh, under an RTT on your website, right? Yeah, if you go to rtt.com, no therapy background is required and we train people as young as 18 have some amazing people because they actually have a great uh, reach for people that are younger. They don't, want to, they don't want to go to some therapist of 56. They want to go to someone like them. So you, if you go to rtt.com, you can find out how to do what I do and train with me. If you go to maristapeer.com, we give away a ton yeah. of free um, audios on how to find love, how to find wealth, how to find success. And if you go to unenough.com, we give away little bracelets like this that, yeah. that make you feel you're enough and show you how to join the movement, the That's Enough amazing. movement. Final question, what would be your, or what wisdom do you want to leave the younger generations, the, the next generation of future leaders, so that we can be empowered to create the new world and higher consciousness on earth? So the wisdom I'd give to any young person is the most important word you will ever hear in your whole life are the words you say to yourself. And the most important opinion is your opinion. Don't say, don't give up what you are to some person you're trying to impress. Impress yourself. If you put the energy you're putting into making someone else like you, into liking yourself, your life would change dramatically and permanently. So like yourself, love yourself, fall in love with yourself. And the most important words you'll ever hear come from you. So tell yourself a better lie. I've got a podcast coming out called Lie with Marissa. Mm. And every week I'm interviewing people. First one is Sammy Shoebox about the lies they've told themselves. So tune into that too, because you'll really see the power mm. of self-belief. And where would you send people to get, you know, notified of all these upcoming projects that you have going on right now? MarissaPeer.com. We have everything on there. Just go to MarissaPeer.com. And I'd love to see you there. Yeah, we'll leave everyone the links to everything. Marissa, this was a really amazing conversation. Thank you so much. I'm glad that we had a serendipitous uh, meeting at that conference and we made a connection so happy that you know you're doing these amazing things and i know this book is going to be really powerful for people i recommend everyone just to check out your work your youtube videos a lot of great things coming up and i'm really grateful for this time that we had together hope we can do it again sometime me too thank you so much sending you lots of love thanks darling take thank care you. bye bye Well, there you go, everyone. Marissa Peer, what an incredible conversation. Honestly, there's so much to unpack there. I just wanted to ramble off some final thoughts, some takeaways that I got from this episode. And also, feel free to share them with me. You can connect with me on Instagram at I am Emilio Ortiz. You can find the link in the bio. But just some final thoughts is that what separates these highly successful people is that they praise themselves you know they don't wait for someone else to come into their life and tell them hey you're doing a good job hey keep going you know you're on the right path all that is great and it's incredible to receive validation and recognition but what's even more incredible is that if we can give that to ourselves i think our life would change so Maybe some action steps would be, let's start fucking praising ourselves a bit more. Let's start being more kind to ourselves, more loving. The words that we use to describe ourselves, the words that we tell ourselves, that's going to create our life. It's going to create our future. So let's all be more aware of how we're talking to other people and to ourselves, which is a direct reflection of how, you know, how much self-love we have. Those are my final takeaways, everyone. Feel free to share them with me, um, you know, on social media. Leave a review on this podcast. Also, share it if, you know, you, uh, someone else can get benefits. That's also really cool. Share this episode with someone you love. I love all of you guys that are listening. I really appreciate the support. And let's keep getting incredible conversations with these mentors 
to elevate our consciousness.